When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. NFL. 21 plus and present in Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame online wager required. All right, hello everybody, and welcome to Patriots First and Goal—the first and uh, first and goal you've heard in a very long time. The only time you see a Patriots First and Goal is on this podcast, so I'm glad we could be here giving you that in some capacity. Wow. I am Alex Shane here, breaking down whatever the hell that was, with my buddy Rich Hill. Um, a little how the sausage is made to our dozens of listeners out there. Usually, before we hit record, we get together, we talk about what we're going to talk about, we have some kind of structure. We lay out what's going to happen this, throughout the course of the podcast. Um, not today. We're just going to wing it because I have nothing to say, Rich. This is you have nuts. anything to say? I, I, I'm, I'm out. I'm, I'm out of words. I'm out of things to say about this team. <laughs> I, I, th- this team has jumped the shark. Uh, it's gone from like you know what we talked about over the first half of the season of like where did this thing go wrong? You know this game was pretty close, or you know if, if this one thing went right, these three other plays went differently. They could have had a shot. Uh, over the past three games, and in particular over the past couple of weeks, I've never seen the Patriots operate at this level of dysfunction, of complete ineptitude across the board, defense aside. Uh, this team is a laughing stock. There's no way. Let's jump into it on, on first and goal. Uh, what happened? How do you only put up? A, how do you get shut out at home and lose after allowing just six points? I mean, you have to wonder. Like, do you think that you know? I, I feel like this might have been a situation where maybe you were a good kid in high school, Rich Hill. But after I got into college, that was it. In high school, like I was just done with high school Senioritis. in like April, whatever, whatever it was, March or April, whenever the acceptance letters come in, that was the end of my high school career. There were still like two months left and I completely mailed it in. Maybe it's the case. Maybe the Patriots are aware that this season's a complete lost cause. A lot of them are in contract years. They're probably not going to be back. What do they care at this point? Yeah. The coaching staff, probably the same way. What do they care? I, it, it's just, it, it's mind boggling because I don't know if you watch the Monday night game. Yeah, but there were two back quarterbacks in there moving the ball, Looking generating great. points. And so for the Patriots to be so incredibly inept at doing 
anything. <laughs> I, I just have to wonder if they just kind of like they're just they're just they're just there in in, in body only, and they checked out a while ago. Yeah, I mean the the signs were out there where prior to the game, heading into it, you know, there was all that talk that Bailey Zappi was going to get the start ahead of Mac Jones, and Chris Price at the Globe had quotes from an unnamed player that everyone knew was Devonte Parker, like didn't even have to say it. And then Chris Price went on the radio and like, was like, no, nah, yeah, it was Devonte Parker. Cause everyone <laughs> knew it was Devonte Parker uh, where, you know, Parker was like asked, why is your production better when it's with Bailey Zappi than with Mac Jones? And that literally only applies to Devonte Parker. And Parker was just like, he puts the ball where I want it. You know, he was like, not like mud slinging at Mac Jones, but it was not Patriot speak. It was way more transparent than any player usually is when they're asked such a direct question. It's usually, you know, next man up, just trying to do my job out here. You know, I, I think Zappy and Mac Jones bring a lot to the table, et cetera, et cetera. He basically just directly said, Zappy plays better with me than Mac Jones does. And, you know, Parker went out there, probably the best game of the season, 64 yards on four catches, but zero points. And the fact that Parker was the one who earlier in the year dropped the ball and, you know, didn't take blame for it, where, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, rough year aside, at least took blame when he had his drops. Parker deflected, says it wasn't his fault. The fact that this is where the team is, where the wide receiver who, you know, doesn't take the leadership role, that doesn't take the standard, uh, you know, team first speech, uh, comes out and just says that this backup is going to give me a better chance to produce was some of the most un Bill Belichick ran team type of conversation heading into this game that we had to know a train wreck was coming. Yeah. I mean, look, I think we talked about there alluded to it at some point earlier in the season, maybe even last a podcast from last season, you know, a, a culture and an attitude where everyone's terrible. I'm never going to give you praise. My 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 highlight reel is just your low light reel. You could have 25 catches in one drop. I'm going to play the drop on repeat over and over in the team meeting. And this is how it's going to be. And you're going to work your ass off. It's not going to be very fun. The trade-off is you win football games. You win playoff games. You win Super Bowls. And you buy into that. I don't think it's the kind of thing where you can have that kind of attitude and you're sitting here at 2-10. and 10. So uh, it might be just like Belichick didn't really know how to pivot to a team where like, well, um, everyone sucked today, so I can't really make a low light reel. Uh, you know, it's just this one is of just those the things. game tape. It's, it's just the game tape. The game tape is the low light reel. Uh, again, I don't know if it's a, a situation where I mean, this can be our, our second down. I, I know we talked about this is like, has Belichick completely lost it? I, I, I feel like I'm like one of like a dying breed where like I still have a lot of respect and faith in Bill Belichick. I just think that this is just one of those seasons that just went off the rails. It's like you know, Quentin Tarantino made a really bad movie. Stephen King wrote a really bad book. Doesn't make him a bad <laughs> a bad writer. Sometimes you just have a coaching brain fart, and maybe this is just one season-long brain fart. Second and goal, Rich. Has Belichick totally lost it? I mean, I, I have a couple thoughts on this. One, he remains a defensive genius. No no way around Very it. Very true. Justin Herbert, this is a good quarterback. This is a, you know, viable Chargers offense, injuries aside. And to allow 26 points over a three-game stretch is good for any defense. 
like never mind level of play. Like this has been a good defense. They are still a top 10 defense despite losing their best defensive back and their best pass rusher. This is a team that I believe ranks number one in the league in rushing yards allowed per carry. Like this is a good overall Patriots defense. Belichick still has got it uh, on that side of the ball where I feel like he has lost it uh, is kind of everywhere else, you know, special teams, Camacord has got to go. Like there's no way that he can sustain these two seasons back to back, even with Joe judge, there providing oversight. Like this is the worst special teams unit in the league for two years in a row. That's unacceptable. That's where you win on the margins because you win by one possessions. Like that's, that's how the league works. And if you're losing on special teams, you're going to lose a lot of games. That's why you lose all of these 50, 50 games that they have is because Patriots are losing on the margins and special teams is the essential margin. And so they are losing on that one. The fact that Belichick, you know, hasn't been able to fix that is a question mark. First flag on the, you know, front office side of things where I think a lot of these problems start. I mean, there's a trend. I, you know, we've talked over the years. We're just like, well, why do you trade away Shaq Mason? You, you for no reason whatsoever created a hole on your offensive line when you have a very young quarterback out there. The best way to develop a young quarterback is to give them a secure pocket have a really stout offensive line so they have time back there. And instead, you demolished it. You demolished their offensive line. And therefore, you know what? Lo and behold, past two years, Mac Jones has been seeing ghosts and, you know, he's broken as a quarterback. And so that was one issue. Overdrafting Cole Strange, you know, Strange has become like, you know, a mediocre offensive guard, which is like, you know, fine, not his fault. He was supposed to be a mid-round pick. And that would have been like a solid production. If he was a third-round pick and this is how he played, it'd be like, okay, cool, that's fine. But as a first-round pick, that's not what you want. Tyquan Thornton, not what you want. If you look up and down, you know, there's that stat that what was like Logan Ryan was the last Patriots draft pick in the first few rounds to get an extension. That's an indictment of the drafting. You know, Joe Tooney turned into a great player. Patriots have not gotten the value that they need out of their draft picks for a very long time. And they have a trend of overdrafting players. Like that's not just like a perception. You look at, uh, you know, there's uh, someone who has a Jack XYZ, I think is his name out there, but he has a website that like takes the consensus of how every draft prognosticator predicts players. And then you can just compare that to where players are actually drafted. Patriots have some of the biggest reaches in the entire draft. Cole Strange, Tyquan Thornton, Jack Jones three of the biggest reaches that the Patriots had, where are they now? And so the, the fact that on the off, like the front office side of things, Belichick is making really bad decisions, go into the free agency acquisitions, had the biggest spending spree in NFL history a couple of years back. What was the return on that? It's been very bad. And then you go to the offensive side of the ball and I'm ranting now. I love it. We are on the opposite side of the spectrum where, you know, Patriots dynasty, what happens when you put together the best defensive coach of all time with one of the best quarterbacks of all time, and you have them in a team first approach, you have the best 20 year run in sports history. That's what you get out of it. What you have right now is both mediocre to below mediocre talent on offense, and you don't have a good play caller. That's the thing is that, you know, Bill O'Brien, I think that there's like, fine play concepts but if you're coming out here and you're scoring you know zero points twice in a season both at home if your defense if you're uh, allowing 26 points over a three game stretch and you go oh in the three this is the perfect marriage of both bad scheme bad talent and no matter how like you know 
uh, base level, the concepts make sense or something like that. It's a failure of coaching to put up zero points. Like you, you, you accidentally score points in this league. Like you, to be shut out is inexcusable. To have it happen twice, I'm kind of surprised that Bill O'Brien is still here. I have to wonder, Rich. I think we've talked about this too, but again, since they just keep sucking so much and we're out of stuff to say, and it's only week 14, I really can't help but think that, like, honestly, if if it was just like Gardner Minshew back there, or like Ryan Tannehill, or just like any other quarterback on this roster, they wouldn't be like world beaters. But I feel like they'd have won their last three games pretty definitively. I think there are quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Dobbs, get him in there. He could have put up 11 points in the past three weeks. And so maybe I'm going to spin zone it. Maybe if they do get a quarterback, a decent quarterback, who's just a game manager, who's able to make good decisions and they shore up the offensive line, maybe get a franchise left or right, left tackle in the draft and bring this defense back, get one more weapon on the outside. Maybe they can go from the worst team in the AFC to a fringe playoff team in 2024. Is that crazy to think? I mean, I kind of do. Like in, in my head, I'm like, Mac Jones obviously has been bad. Like, there's no way around it. Those interceptions, those were just really, really bad throws, really bad decisions, everything like that. But if I look up and down the quarterbacks in the league, is he worse than, like, Will Levis? Is he worse than, as you said, like, Gardner Minshew, Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, even Dobbs out there? Like, there are players out there that are having at least a good game. Like, I don't think that Mac Jones is worse than them. Like, if, if I were to start over... I might still choose Mac Jones over some of those other options. I think that this is just a uh, mess up from the offensive coaching staff from everything like this. I'm going to read a quote from Devin McCourty that uh, was going around that he was on the Greg Hill show. uh, And uh, he points at the coaching staff, which, you know, if you've followed Devin McCourty holds a lot of weight. McCourty is not someone to go out there and speak untruths to kind of exaggerate or anything like that. Um, But, He said, I don't think, no matter how you feel about Mac Jones, I don't think you'd walk away from the situation and say, hey, you know, they built the situation they built around him was really good and he just didn't get the job done. Like, to me, there's no way. If you're going to be factual, you got to look. There's no way. You've had three different offensive coordinators in three years. They've had different receivers and impact players each kind of year. All have been kind of moving parts. Seemed like he kind of built a connection with Jacoby Myers and then Jacoby's gone. So, like, yeah. it's hard for me to say it's all him. Like, Kendrick Bourne, his first year here, has a kind of a career year. And the next year, he doesn't really play at all. And so there's just massive and very real criticism of how the coaching staff, how the front office has approached the, these three years of Mac Jones's career. And, you know, everyone, all the players are like, no, he's first in, last out. He's putting in all the effort and everything like that. I think that if you put the vast majority of quarterbacks, unless they are the transcendent talents, no one was going to produce in this offense because they forewent a good offensive line. And I just don't think that the scheme is good. You look at how the Shanahan and McVay style offenses, the Andy Reid offenses, the West Coast offenses are permeating through the league right now. That's what you need to have a young quarterback succeed. Obviously, I'm not saying that Mac Jones could go out there in a West Coast offense and look like Brock Purdy, you know, wild comparison to make. But just given the circumstances, I'm not saying he's at that level. But what we've seen year over year is that the Patriots, uh, you know, the offensive scheme has been slipping 
one of the least analytical in the league, least likely to go for it on fourth down uh, when they really should be going for it. Super conservative when they should be a little bit more aggressive, uh, just making wrong decisions for what the modern football league looks like. And so I think until they embrace what this new wave of football looks like on offense, I don't think any of these young quarterbacks would have succeeded in New England. No, no, I agree with you. And it's just funny. You think back to the early days of the season. We were excited about this team. We thought they had play a potential with the players on this roster. We really thought because they had a quarterback who wasn't a world beater athletically, but he was smart. He could read a defense. He had control of the locker room. He made good decisions and he was accurate. And it's all we needed the quarterback to do with this defense being what it is. It was always going to be run first offense. And none of that took place. Ramondre Stevenson is now out for probably the season with an ankle sprain. I don't know why you'd possibly rush him back. Uh, Douglas, Pop Douglas is out, so there are the only two offensive weapons. It's just a disaster. The hardest working man in the NFL last week, Rich Hill, was the poor schlub who had to put together an eight-minute Chargers-Patriots highlight reel for NFL (laughs) video. I don't know how you come up with eight minutes of highlights from that game. I literally cannot remember one play that happened on either side. Plus, is the Chargers' two scoring drives were less than 30 yards. So they were based off of short fields, which is amazing. Defense plays well, and the defense has to be just so frustrated. I mean, what can you possibly say? These poor guys are just like, it, it doesn't matter. We, we, we can't hold them to zero points, and so we're probably going to lose. Uh, the good news is, Rich Hill, uh, if there's ever going to be a game the Patriots are going to win like two to nothing on a safety, it's this Thursday night's game against the Steelers, which will break down on third down coming up. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide variety of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com Boston and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. 21 plus in present Massachusetts. Hope is here. First online real money wager only. $5 pregame money line wager required. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GamesenseMA.com or call 1-800-GAM-1234. All right, Rich, uh, I don't know if anybody saw this match uh, between Mitch Trubitsky and Bailey Zappi coming early on in the NFL season, but that's what we're going to have in an already terrible brand, Thursday Night Football, just bad <laughs> games every week, no matter who's under center. This is going to be such a disaster. But before we get to Steelers, let's go third down around the league, week 14. There's some good games on the docket once we get the Thursday night turd out of the way. We got the Bills against the Chiefs. That's probably the game of the week. We've got the Eagles Cowboys. That could be a good game. Niners Seahawks could be good. So there will be some some mouthwash to rinse out that awful taste the the Steelers page is going to give you. Uh, other than the Bills game, Rich, anything you're excited about in particular? Yeah, I mean, like the as you said, the Eagles Cowboys game Sunday night. It's going to be great. Two of the best teams in the league. I think there's a lot of potential there. Um, you can always tune in to watch Miami. They are uh, must-watch football at this stage right now. Their ability to score at any point in the game makes them exciting to watch. Um, but the one that I will likely watch that I feel like has the likelihood to be a classic is the Seahawks 49ers. 
Uh, it's Sunday, 4 p.m. Uh, division rivals always look good. 49ers made their claim to be the best team in the league last week as they just absolutely annihilated the Philadelphia Eagles. They are the top contender at this point in time of the year. Uh, the Seahawks, they have talent. They definitely have talent. They're trying to figure it out, uh, but they always play each other extremely well. It's taking place in San Francisco. I think that has the the markings of being one of the classics of the week. That does. I, I mean, it, it's always fun to watch competent football. Uh, and the fantasy playoffs <laughs> are starting soon. So there's some fantasy interest out there for people as well. Also, there is technically, I think, a 0.38% chance that the Patriots can make the playoffs in 2023. Uh, they need to win out, obviously. And teams, you got to pay attention to. The Steelers and Texans all have to lose out. The Broncos and Chargers have to split their series. The Chargers got to beat the Raiders and lose the other two. The Bengals got to beat the Steelers but lose every other game. And the Bills have to beat the Chargers but lose every other game. So if you got all of that, if all of that happens, there'll be a whole hodgepodge of seven and ten teams and the Pats make it on some wacky tiebreakers. So that's up up on Pat's pulpit tomorrow or today, I guess I should say. Patriots playoff scenarios are going to happen. So if you are a maniac who thinks there's still a shot, uh, you have a lot to pay attention to starting in week 14 because a lot has to go right with New England. But starting with them winning out tonight against the Steelers, this was supposed to be Mac Jones against Kenny, not Kenny Pickett. Who 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 am I talking about? It is now Mitch Trubisky against Bailey Zappi. This is not the <laughs> matchup we wanted. Okay. This is Kenny Pickett. I'm sorry. Mr. Trubisky. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. It is Bailey Zappi versus Mr. Trubisky. And these are two bad offenses, two okay defenses. Does this have the makings of a three nothing game? Um, maybe. Yeah. I mean, you look at it. This is, uh, the, the over under for this game. And for those wondering what that means, that's like the total amount of points that, they are, you know, betters are prognosticating that they'll score is 30 points, which is the lowest since 1993. So uh, no one is expecting anyone to score points here. Uh, and there's like a lot of games that had over-unders of 30 points back in 1993 for some reason. Uh, and so 30 years uh, that, that we haven't seen this level of futility. And my actually last one before we move fully into the Steelers Patriots game is uh, if we're really looking for tiebreakers, let's watch for the Panthers to beat the the yeah. Saints on the road. That's the one that I'm looking out for. Um, but somehow this absolutely atrocious Steelers team sits at seven and five right? somehow <laughs> with, with their 28th ranked offense. They are in the Patriots are kind of a match made in heaven here where they both have, you know, Patriots have the worst offense in the league. But, you know, if you, if you look at the numbers, uh, they rank sixth in the league for points allowed per drive. And like that's factoring in that the offense has turned the ball over so much that they give opposing teams field position where they can score without picking up any yards. And so the these are uh, the Patriots and the Steelers absolutely atrocious offenses. Very good defenses. And I don't know, Alec, where you want to start on this one, but I, I think uh, the more fun one to start with is uh, the Patriots' defense against the Steelers' offense. Um, with Kenny Pickett being out, Miss Trubisky coming out here, uh, how would you, if you were Steve Belichick, try to keep up New England's strong streak of production against opposing quarterbacks? Yeah, look, I, mean, I don't think they need to do anything different. I think just keep doing what's been working in the past three weeks. You know, I don't think that uh, that Mr. Bisky is 
any different than the last kind of ring of string of mediocre quarterbacks they faced over the past couple of weeks in the Giants and Justin Herbert. They did it to him. There's no reason they can't do it against Trubisky. Uh, I would argue that the Chargers receiving core is a little deeper than the Steelers receiving core. They have some talent. Uh, I think that they have some good players. The Steelers do. But, I mean, George Pickens is a very good receiver. Deontay Johnson's decent receiver. But I don't think they have any any massive world beaters here. So I think this is a very – it's kind of the the exact opposite of the Patriots offense where everything is broke, fix all of it. Um, defense ain't broke, don't fix it. So whatever they've been doing, a lot of kind of inside stunt pressure, a lot of linebacker safety hybrids, good Kyle Duggar game, good Jabril Peppers game. I like the matchups one-on-one. I don't think you'll need too much safety help. Maybe double pickings on the outside. But I feel like they're, the, the teams match up well, cornerback to, to receiver. So I think just follow the same script. And I don't think that Mr. Trubisky has the, the accuracy or the ability to extend the play as long as other guys have. Yeah, totally. And I mean, like, if you look at how the Steelers have been trying to play football, they've been trying to run it. Like, that's... That's their option. And Najee Harris is dealing with a knee injury, did not practice on Wednesday. So we'll see what his availability is like on a, you know, a very, very short week here. Um, But uh, the fact is you stop the run. You're probably going to be fine. Uh, You know, Mitch Trubisky hasn't had a lot of production here, um, but you look at like the overall production for the Steelers. I'm just going to rattle off of their past few games outside of their, their win against the Bengals, 187 passing yards against the Cardinals, which they lost Cardinals got their second win of the year. Uh, 77 passing yards against the Browns, 119 net. Obviously they're all net against the Packers, 160 against the Titans, 191 against the Jaguars. 214 against the Rams could go on and on. It feels like we're reading the Patriots passing yards. So <laughs> if uh, we are well seasoned in understanding how and what we should expect from the Steelers offense with the caveat being, this is a pretty talented Steelers skill player group. Like if, if you set up a team with a good offensive coordinator, because remember the Steelers fired their offensive coordinator, Matt Canada a couple weeks ago, but you give a good offensive coordinator, give someone from that Shanahan tree or that McVeigh tree or that Andy Reid tree, this type of personnel, you have Pickens and Johnson. Those are two very good wide receivers out there. You get Firemuth at tight end. He's a good tight end. I know he's been dealing with injuries and everything like that. I'm just thinking from like a general roster makeup perspective. Uh, you go out there, you have Najee Harris again, one of the best running backs in the league, win healthy. This offense has no excuse for being so bad. You look at the Patriots offense, at least there's some excuses. Um, if, if so, if I'm the Patriots, I stack the line and try and let Mitch win through the air, not really expecting it, live or die by it, but just make sure that the Steelers who have had over, a, you know, 150 rushing yards and four out of their past five games, just make sure that they don't get anything going on the ground. And if you're able to do that, you're probably going to limit them to under 14 points. Will that be enough for the offense? Who knows? Under 14 points. That'd be, that'd be amazing. <laughs> that's enough for the offense playoffs you kidding me um yeah i mean look i mean Najee harris is a good player uh he i feel like he's another kind of he's maybe he would remind ray stevenson are in similar boats where they're really the only offensive weapon that that's being extremely productive uh not through the fault of steelers receivers but just Pickham hasn't really been their quarterback Trubisky's not the answer either and so they're they're singling out uh Najee harris the same way Ramondre stevenson was the, the sole real offensive weapon once pop douglas went down and so you have to just just account for that. He's the weapon you take away. Can Trubisky beat them with his arm? No, they can't. But again, uh, can the Steelers gain six yards from the 40-yard line when somebody fumbles and then kick a field goal? <laughs> yep. They can definitely do that. Indeed. 
And that might be enough, uh, which is a good tradition. Let's do, oh, my, my defensive X factor, these poor guys. Uh, who, who's the defensive <laughs> captain? It's, it's uh, Jabril Pe- It should be Jabril Peppers. It should but, be Peppers. It's not. But, but it's, it's not. Who's the defensive captain for the Patriots? Uh, I think it's Bentley. Jawan Bentley? All right, I'll go with him because he's the captain, and he has to rile the team up before the game, and he has to tell them, we can't allow them to score any points today. And that's a very big ask. So hopefully Jawan Bentley has a massive pregame speech prepared. Yeah. I mean, going off of just like the dysfunction that we're talking about in the first half of this podcast, uh, the number of Patriots defensive players who came out and just like, what the heck offense? I think it was like (laughs) Jalen Mills and Godshaw were just like, we gave up six points. What more are you expecting? We have to blank them. And this is where I think Peppers should be the defensive captain is that he said something similar. And <laughs> in like the true Bill Belichick speech, though, I had a lot of respect for what Pepper said on this one where he's like, you know what? We allowed six points. That's too many. What we need is to show up in all phases. We let up a lot of big returns on special teams. I'm on special teams. I need to do a better job on special teams. We need to, you know, string together plays on offense. The way that he did not directly point the finger at the offense when everyone knows that the finger should be pointed at the offense made me have so much respect for him because he both, you know, took ownership for, I don't know if we talked about this, the hot mic. You're lucky lucky (laughs) we asked. (laughs) That was probably the best clip. I really recommend y'all listen to it. Uh, yeah, he was talking to Saquon Barkley after the Giants yeah. game. He said, you're lucky we asked because of how <laughs> bad they were <laughs> against the Giants. And he owned it. He he went yeah. on Mike again, you know, after that. And was like, hey, I wish I knew it was a hot mic. I wouldn't have said that. But I stand by what we said. Wasn't blaming the offense. We as an overall team have been bad. And you know what? Own that. Try and change it. That's the type of person that I want to have driving the culture moving forward for this team and for this tone setting defense. And so Peppers is my X factor. I would love to see him have a career day out here against the Steelers. Maybe he gets a pick six. I'd love to see a drill Peppers pick six. That'd be awesome. He deserves it to get the points on the board. A, to give him some much needed love that he definitely deserves. And B, it might be the only way the Patriots score this <laughs> tonight because let's get the fourth and goal, Rich. Patriots offense, Steelers defense. One cre- credit I will give to Bailey Zappi. I feel like against the Chargers watching that game, the Patriots actually looked like an NFL offense. It looked like a very, very, very bad NFL offense, but it was an actual <laughs> offense. What I mean by that is there was a play. It was like first and 10, and Zappi was a play action. There was nobody open. Zappi took it, and he ran for like four yards, second and six. Uh, that would have been Mac Jones spinning in circles and throwing it up there for an interception in their current iteration. I'm not saying it's a good offense, but at least they resembled what is technically by dictionary definition an NFL offense. They scored zero. They did. They They scored scored zero. zero. They scored zero points. I I acknowledge that, and I'm not saying I was happy with it, but I think like (laughs) if if there was like an alien reading a book about football and I show him a Mac Jones offense and a Bailey Zappi offense, they'd like be able to point to the offense that Bailey Zappi ran as what it's supposed to look like in theory. Execution, different story altogether. But Bailey Zappi's under center again. Uh, he hasn't officially been named the starter, I don't think, but I'd be amazed he's if likely. he's not. He's very likely the starter. I think it is it is Bailey Zappi's to lose until he has like a three-pick day, and then who knows. That yeah. might come tonight against the Steelers because it's a very good defense. There's no Ramondre Stevenson. 
there's basically Ezekiel Elliott and Ty Montgomery in the backfield and nobody else. There's no Pop Douglas. He's already been declared out. Keyshawn Boutte has been declared out. Parker and Juju are both questionable. I'm sure they'll both play, but there's just nothing to show the Steelers that's going to give them any kind of pause. So what are you doing to try and attack this defense and put some points up on the board? Yeah, totally. I mean, like, I think the reason why Zappy will remain quarterback is because he doesn't turn the ball over. You know, Bill Belichick even came out and said, like, the job of the quarterback is to not turn the ball over. And, like, you know, pointed a big microscope at, like, this is why we had to bench Mac Jones, where all other things where it seems like Mac Jones is a superior player, he was turning the ball over. And then you look at Zappy, you know, better day from a turnover perspective. But very clearly, he was coached to eat the sacks instead of forcing something that isn't there. Obviously, you would love to see him throw it away, but there were multiple drives where he got sacked on the final two plays of the drive. Like that, that's just not how you put points on the board. Uh, but very clearly, he was coached to do that instead of throwing interceptions. And that's what like the Patriots have to continue to avoid doing here against the Steelers. Because right now, you know, Patriots, they rank 31st in the league's in turn, uh, turnover differential, you know, negative nine on that one. Steelers, why they are seven and five is that they're plus 10. They rank second in the league in turnover differentials. If the Patriots get loose with the ball, the Steelers will absolutely take advantage of it. They will absolutely force turnovers. They will absolutely capitalize on those because they do a very good job of forcing turnovers and also not giving up the ball. They are playing the exact type of football that Bill Belichick wishes the Patriots were doing uh, up front. You know, they got TJ Watt, a Landon Roberts, old friend out there having a great season in the middle of that Steelers defense. They have talent at every single level of this defense. This is not going to be one where the Patriots are going to have a lot of success, you know, through the air, obviously. Um, but also very concerned at how the Patriots tackles are going to hold up against TJ Watt. They have Alex Highsmith on the other side. So we'll have to stand and see how the Patriots approach that one. But like in all likelihood, Patriots are just going to have to run the ball. Like that, that's what you, you can do uh, against this team. You know, they rank 21st in yards allowed per carry. I don't trust that the Patriots are going to change their ways and all of a sudden be productive through the air. And even with Ramondre Stevenson being out, you're going to have to ride Ezekiel Elliott here. Patriots offensive line has solidified over the second half of the season. They've been not the weakest point of this team. And, you know, that's what we talked about before the season even started is that we expected them to look viable by the end of the year. And that's where they are. This is a viable offensive line now, but specifically in the run game, still glaring issues in pass protection, but they are a viable rushing attack offense. That's where the Patriots succeed. This is how they've succeeded against the Steelers in the past. And also how, you know, I know obviously TJ Watt and JJ Watt are very different players, but the Patriots have never shied away from running directly at the Watt brothers. And I think what the Patriots will do X factor, just being the Patriots entire offensive line here. I think the Patriots will try and have very long and extended drives by just running it time after time after time. Rich, uh, one big problem regarding this podcast as long as we have is there are plenty of receipts where you and I are both on record saying things we'll never do again. Uh, and then if we were to backtrack on that, somebody who wanted to could go back and find the soundbite of us saying these. I've never done it. I know. Uh, but I know for a very big fact that I said this season, I'm finally officially off the Ty Montgomery train. He's no. let me down too many times. It's no. been, it's It happened. I, I'm on record saying it. Um, he just done nothing, 
but I, I want to just make him my X factor just by default because Ezekiel Elliott can't literally take every single offensive snap as running back. Somebody has to be back there and maybe they'll use him as like a third down back and he'll catch like a bubble screen and he'll break one. I feel like this could be a time Montgomery game. Couldn't you have good outside pass? Right? This would have been a game that Kevin Falk or Deion Lewis or James White would have feasted on because it's a good pass rush, suspect secondary. You, you use the play action, then you get White out on the screen, and he and he takes off. You create mismatches by motioning guys around. This would have been a good game for a third down back. Maybe Ty Montgomery has like his last final flash. You know, like a light bulb was real bright before it kind of explodes. This might be Ty Montgomery's bright light bulb moment. So even though I said I would never do it again. I'm going to make Ty Montgomery my default X factor because somebody has to do something besides Ezekiel Elliott. Can, can I just tell you, Sasha, I just have a question for you, Alec. Yeah. How many carries? Don't look it up. All how right. many carries do you think Ty Montgomery has had with the New England Patriots in the 13 games he's been active? How like, many rushing like, attempts? Like, totally. like since, since he signed with the team? Yeah, since he signed with the team. How many rushing attempts? Five. You're exactly right. Exactly five. Nailed it. <laughs> I'm shocked you got that right. He's and not going to get it. <laughs> and, and I think two of them were like last week too against the yeah. Chargers. Um, but like, I get it. It's just like, I think I don't, I, there's, there's, there's two running backs on the roster. They're, they just signed. What's his name? Uh, from Michael uh, Hasty. Michael Hasty. So maybe he makes me look like an idiot and he gets like all the, the carries, but like, Ty Montgomery's been with the team for so long. So if Jermichael comes in and just like outrushes him by like 60 yards, uh, I'll gladly come back on here next week and say, I'm sorry, I should stick to my guns. But I just think Ty Montgomery has to do like one, he has to do a thing during his Patriots tenure. Maybe it's a kick return for a touchdown. Maybe it's just like one catch. He has to do something to like put his mark on like the time. You know how like Rudy can't, be official member of the the Notre Dame team doesn't play. So they send him in for one snap at the very end. This has to be like, it has to happen for me once, Rich. Just give me this. You know that they're going to have him start the game or something absurd like that to get your hopes up. And then Kevin Harris is going to be promoted from the practice (laughs) squad and be the number two and just shatter your hopes and dreams. Uh, Ty Montgomery is absolutely up there in the ranks of Patriots players who's had multiple years with the team that I can't remember a single thing he's done. Uh, There's been a lot of them, but that's he's definitely one of them. Um, Yeah, you know, I mean, like the X factor is going to come from the rushing game. I am not expecting anything from this passing attack whatsoever would love to see a breakthrough from Tyquan Thornton. You know, obviously he's had just the most atrocious drops out there when he's getting the opportunities, but ones where it's like, you look at the tape, he's getting open. Something has to connect at some point, right? It, it can't just be zappy throwing it to Parker uh, as like the jump ball, like the only player he's willing to take risks with. Like he's got to keep going to Thornton. Um, but the other one's just like, what, where do the tight ends go? Why are none of them being productive? Why, like, why can't you know Bill O'Brien, architect of this game-breaking two tight end offense of the Patriots from the early 2010s, all of a sudden can't get more than like one target to Hunter Henry? That Farrow Brown and Kaseki aren't doing a single thing out there. Like, what happened? Like, why why can't anyone else on the offense produce? Let's get Farrow Brown the ball more. At least it's fun. Please, please do. Just give me something. I, I, I want to I talk about we, – we, we didn't talk about a single play from the Chargers game, and not because we forgot about it. There's just nothing to say. I want to come back on here with something to talk about with One the Steelers thing. game. We'll see. To that end, Richie, let's end this up. Let's get to predictions. We both had the Chargers winning. No shocker there. 
We both had the scores being significantly higher than they actually were. I had the Chargers being the Patriots 30 to 14. Um, <laughs> And you had 24 to 10. So I guess since you was a lower score on your end, you get the hammer for this one. But we were both way off on that one. But uh, Don is still yours. Patriots going to Pittsburgh for a Thursday night mess. Who you got? Uh, I, I'm going to continue to not go with the Patriots on this one. I feel like the Steelers are going to pull this one off. You know, it's in Pittsburgh. Uh, they're coming off of an ugly game against the Cardinals. Obviously, they lost to the Bengals. Obviously, Trubisky is going out there. But in my mind, I kind of think Trubisky's better than Pickett anyways, even though I don't think Trubisky's good. I don't think, I think Pickett's worse. Um, I think that Trubisky has enough of that, uh, you know, up and downness that he can make some things happen out there with other players. Uh, like, you know, he's coming off the bench against the Cardinals, but you know, he's completing two out of three passes. He's throwing it down the field. He's giving them a chance to do something. He's never been a world beater, but at least he's, you know, has that journeyman type of mentality. I see them, you know, obviously not clicking on offense just because they're not good either. Uh, they've surpassed 21 points once in the past six weeks. This is not a good offense either, but it's better than the Patriots. This is not the defense that the Patriots offense is going to figure it out against. I would be absolutely shocked. You know, they're coming off of the Chargers game when the Chargers have one of the worst defenses in the entire league. They were coming against the Colts and the Giants, who are two of the other worst teams in the entire league as it relates to defensive performance. And uh, this is a great defense. This isn't going to be it. I think that the Steelers are going to win this one. It's going to be ugly. I expect this to kind of be the nail in the coffin for a lot of the Patriots coaching staff after this one, uh, where, you know, you're going to start hearing scuttle or, you know, the, the news stories of so-and-so being like, I never wanted to call these plays to begin with, or, you know, this wasn't my choice to have these players out there. Those are the storylines that'll come out of this game. I'm expecting the Steelers to win this one. Someone along the lines of 17 to three. 17 to 3. Once again, the Patriots are out of the end zone from Rich Hill. If that does happen, the Steelers win. The Patriots are officially eliminated from playoff contention mathematically. They're they're eliminated when they lost to the Saints back in week five, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> but they are mathematically out with a loss tonight against the Steelers. Um, Rich Hill, I think there is one universal truth when it comes to, or I guess two universal truths when it comes to a Thursday night football game. Um, one is it's going to be just a bad game. It's a horrible product. <laughs> the players aren't ready. The coaches aren't ready. The field's not ready sometimes. It's just a very, very bad display of football, and it's nobody who plays football's fault. It's the NFL just being money-hungry. And two, nothing that happens on Thursday night football usually makes any sense because of that. Good point. And anything goes. The game is sloppy. It could be crazy high scoring. Teams that suck could blow out teams that are good because the entire thing is just a pot, steaming pile of cow dung. And because of that, I think the Patriots win this game in a completely non-indicative football game. The two crappy teams are just trying to throw wow. something out there. The Patriots take this one. They get in the end zone once. They win the game 13-7. to 13-7. Wow. One touchdown, okay. two field goals for the Patriots. You know what? To be honest, not a bad guess. Patriots beat the Steelers in their last matchup back in Mac Jones's rookie year. Steelers, uh, Patriots won 17-14. Uh, who was the Steelers quarterback in that game? It was one Mitch Trubisky. So, yeah. uh, you know, he went 33 passes through the air for a mediocre 168 yards. I'm expecting something similar. Um, but yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be completely confounded if the Patriots won. I kind of be disappointed. Alec, 
are you on for the tank yet? No, I am not. Well, I I guess let let me, let me clarify that rich. I I don't want the Patriots to go two and 15. Uh, I want like one more win maybe over the bills. So does that count as being in on the tank? I want like, like three and 14. I'm okay with, but I do not want the Patriots to lose the rest of their games. So where does that put me on the tank scale? Uh, I mean, if, if it's a win against the jets, you're completely on the tank. Like that's one where I think everyone can agree that I want the Patriots to lose the rest of their game other than against the jets. Like even against the bills, I don't care. Like bills fall into that category still where I'm kind of rooting for them, like both them and the dolphins, where if they make it to the super bowl, I'll root for them. I like, I have no animosity against those two teams. Uh, I think that the dolphins are fun to watch. I think that the Bills fans are some of the funniest in the league and that they need a break and they, you know, for all of the suffering that they've had, should have a shot. This is also like the last year of their window to compete before it like slams shut and they have to rebuild completely with Josh Allen there. Um, So kind of their last hurrah and they're faltering this year. So that would kind of be a fun stretch for them to go through. Don't have any of that feeling towards the Jets. If the Jets go 0-17 till the end of times, I'm cool with that. And so I think that if the the Patriots go 3-14 and with that last one being against the Jets, you're still fully on the tank. You can have that be a write-off. If you're like, I want to replace spoiler to a different team like the Chiefs or the, the Bills, you're not in on the tank, Alec. You're not in on okay. the tank. So you no, you have to choose that one win very carefully. All right, so I, I I'm not saying it's got all right. It's good to know. So I, I get one win. I want I want to root for, and it can't be the Jets, right? It it can only be the Jets. It, only be the Jets. All right. So yeah. if, if I'm if I want three and fourteen with the last one being against the Jets, that that's me in on the tank. Yep, absolutely. So you gotta choose your side carefully. All right. Well, again, I guess I guess as of this conversation, I'm still out on the tank. But I guess when we come back next week to break down this Patriots Steelers game, uh, I will maybe let you know if I've updated my stance. Well, uh, we'll hopefully be, you know, everyone will stay healthy on the Patriots, but we'll be one step closer towards getting that first overall pick as Patriots fans. Uh, Alec, do you have any final thoughts on, oh, goodness, week 14 of this NFL season? The only final thought I have is as we start to think about the offseason and the draft and your amazing rant about how Bill Belichick blows his draft picks I'm not looking forward to discussing what he's going to do with that number two overall pick. <laughs> he's going to trade it down for seven yeah. players from Navy in the fifth round. Uh, <laughs> this is going to be, uh, I don't know, Alec, I, I, I've then fully converted this Chargers game flipped a switch where this is weird. This is a weird year where it's just, it's not disappointing uh, anymore in the way in like the traditional sense of like, ah, they could have gotten it. This is a dark comedy. We are watching like history in the absolute negative sense right now. And I'm kind of just buckling up for the ride. Yeah. I mean, this, if you're not, if you're not laughing, you're crying. So you may as well laugh your way through this, whatever it is. Yep. And this is uh, the upcoming Thursday game. Fortunately, Patriots got flexed out of a primetime game with the Chiefs, but this was supposed to be a three-game stretch of primetime games. They still have a primetime against the the Broncos. That's unlikely to be switched because uh, it's Christmas Eve. But uh, right now, Patriots, Steelers, Thursday Night Football, 8-15, kickoff. Alec, home and breakdown, something interesting with you next <laughs> week. Hopefully they don't Open. get shut out again because, oh my gosh, uh, I apologize to all the listeners in advance. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Until next well, time, Alec, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.